Okay, you all know how I'm fired up about women and particularly things that impact black women. The injustice of the situation makes my blood boil. And when you look at something so fundamental like a woman's reproductive rights or maternal health, and they're playing games with that, literally politics playing games with the lives of women and black women, that's something that will make me hop up on my soapbox with stilettos on uh, because <laughs> it makes my blood boil. So for those that want, don't want to hear Cheryl rant, uh, go ahead and uh, move on.org. But this is this is going to be... <laughs> or just skip 30 seconds. Just skip ahead a little. <laughs> don't leave. You're like, don't, don't leave. tell the audience stay to leave. Okay. We need the audience to stay. Yeah, stick around. <laughs> And we should be, we should have a righteous indignation about this topic of maternal health and the policies and the politics that are in our uterus. From WBEZ Chicago, this is When Magic Happens. I'm Cheryl Jackson here with Taylor Coward and Jennifer Shaylove Long. And in honor of Black Maternal Health Week, we're continuing the conversation about Black maternal health in our part two of this series. And today we're talking about the policy that can protect and threaten the outcomes of black maternity and morbidity. And this topic can get a little heavy. So uh, take a break as you see fit. Later on in the episode, we hear from a policymaker at the helm of decisions around black maternal equity and care, Congresswoman Robin Kelly. She's a political warrior fighting for justice and equity for black mothers and birthing people. And you won't want to miss what she's got to say today. That's coming up. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. This WBEZ podcast is supported by Hacia whose Executive Fellows Program provides Black and Latinx business owners with real-world tools and strategies needed to master fundamental management concepts related to company stability and growth. Registrants learn through one-on-one executive coaching sessions with subject matter experts in the areas of finance, business development, operations, and legal. More info at HACIAWorks.org. abortion is not easy. Making that decision is not easy. You need to be standing with us. This is not just a woman's issue. I am angry because we have reached the culmination of what Republicans have been fighting for, angling for, for decades. Ladies, mm-hmm. wait. where were you when it got, when you heard the news, it got overturned. A children's summer camp that I was working at. And really? So, and so finding, and I didn't have my phone because we're really supposed to be focused on the kids. And so someone, I guess, saw it on like TV passing by. And so it was just kind of us all looking at each other like, are you serious? Right. And then looking at young girls and being like, you don't even know what this means, but it sucks. And just all of us kind of being in disbelief. That's a good word. Disbelief. Yeah. What about you, Jennifer? 
How did you feel when you learned about the news of Roe versus Wade being overturned? It felt like a complete turn back. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about my own daughter and thinking, man, like, are we having to go through actually even having a conversation and debate about our own bodies again? It just was shocking to be to even hear that that was a possibility, mm-hmm. right? Or that that was a conversation that actually turned out as it did. Yep. I was also in disbelief. How about you, Cheryl? You know, I was sitting there like, is this real? Are we are we doing this? It had the yeah. equivalent feeling of the insurrection for me. Right. Like just that's a, a, good, a slap a good... and mark and stomp on democracy yeah. is what it felt like to me in the same way as January 6th. It was just such a sucker punch for me. It became sort of a January 6th insurrection mm-hmm. when the states started to pass their laws. Right. Mm-hmm. To follow along. You know? That's when I was just like. Yeah. And now it's, it's still getting worse. Now there's the anti-traveling. Mm-hmm. I, I think it was Idaho. And now you can't travel like the interstate bands of right. you, if you live in this certain state, you're not allowed to go to another one to have your own business handled, you know? And, and okay, it's just, where's the bottom in this? Because right. I read a story right. yeah. the other day. This husband is suing his wife and her girlfriend group. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, they gave her the advice about the the after um, morning pill. Mm-hmm. The, mm-hmm. He's literally suing his wife. Jail time feels like the bottom. Yes. Yeah. yeah I, th- that I think is that's the jail. That's where we're it's, moving. That's where we're moving. That is the bottom. When yeah. they're putting people away. And it's from, okay, let me just, before I go any further, <laughs> let me just go, on to, you know, let everybody know. WBZ, my producers, they have nothing to do with, this is my opinion. But the fools <laughs> in Washington, D.C. I just, how is it that you can legislate my uterus? Can we also legislate penises? Can we do? Can we send that to jail? Women should be able to sue men. This is the thing that troubles me: is the nuance of some of these stories that are coming out mm-hmm. about why women have had to opt to have abortions. Mm-hmm. Right? In some instances, it is for their own health. Right. Right. In some instances, it's like I'm. I have like this is this is of my options. This is the option. Right. And so I think for just when you think about the nuance of how you can put a a just language around something that has to do with the health and well-being of a human being Mm -hmm. without taking into consideration all of the things that could potentially be impacting this person for them to have to even get to a place to make that decision I think it's just it's just infuriating. Jail time is already on the table. I was just over here Googling. Mm -hmm. It's on the table. Even for doctors. Right. Mm -hmm. And so a state is they're banning interstate travel and they're calling it abortion trafficking. And if if an adult helps a minor cross state lines without the parent's consent, they're guilty of the new crime and face years in prison. And so this kind of hits home, of course, for a lot of people. But for me, out of high school, 
I worked with the Illinois Caucus for Adolescent Health to repeal parental notification for abortion. It's just so that you don't have to notify someone as a minor if you're getting an abortion, Mm. because at the time you had to have a parent's consent to have it done, even though, again, it is such a personal situation. And so just to hear that now minors are back in the play of being blocked from having such a personal decision um, be carried out is just disheartening. And it just, like you said earlier about regressing, it just feels like we're going backwards. We're in this period of re-mainstreaming discrimination. Mm-hmm. So let me ask you guys this, because this is the thing that I think about the most is, what is the real why? Like, what do you think the real why is? Some groups are always like, you're killing children. And I feel like that's a popular rhetoric. Mm -hmm. But to me, it just feels like control. It's kind of just like basic immaturity, it seems like at times, of not letting people have the autonomy to make their own decisions just because you don't like it. You just want to control other people. Yes, I think there's a lot of that. But I think also this is about the browning of America. What does that mean? By 2050, the we will be a country of um, minority majority. Wow! And in my opinion, mm-hmm. this is about this is a numbers game. Wow! So it's almost like eugenics. Yes, I and, haven't heard that take fear. before. There's some reading out there uh, on this, but I think in general you can see that there is a, a real fear that this will be a nation of minorities. I am the partner. And probably future wife of a multicultural man. Mm-hmm. Oh, future wife? Yeah, I do. Oh. I am. Come on, some, okay. No, I'm not engaged. I'm just saying, like, oh, <laughs> oh, my God. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> that was so funny. Okay, this is an audio medium, but there were so many huge eyes in the room. No, oh, my God, no. We are just in a long-term relationship that we feel could be a for real marriage type situation. And so within that, I have to think about one day having a biracial child and what that life will be like for them in the future. And have cute hair. And so (laughs) (laughs) beautiful babies. My boyfriend is half Puerto Rican and half Bulgarian. And so he had a mother from the Commonwealth of Puerto Rico and his father is from Bulgaria in Eastern Europe. And so that already was a you know a complicated mix culturally and so adding in black to that equation you know i do think a lot of people are going to have problems with the child we may have in the future and that's something that i've thought about and so just hearing you say that the browning of america is very relevant for mm-hmm. me because it's something that i think that i have to consider in my family planning so now on top of presenting a brown child I also have to think about well in my career as we decide to have children if it comes up in an inopportune time for me and I need to terminate a pregnancy will that option be in my future and so there's so much to consider and the decisions that are being made don't involve me they involve people that are outside of my experience that aren't having the thoughts that I have and I think that's why people are so angry You aren't in my shoes. You don't know what I go through. You won't carry this baby and have to put a career on pause or have your health at risk. That's the problem here. 
you are not in my shoes. Therefore, you should not be making my decision. Absolutely. Ooh, say that, sis. Taylor, say oh, yes. it, girl. Speak. This yeah, is okay. so that we're having this conversation in 2023. It is shocking. Everybody keeps saying uh, Handmaid's Tale. Which I had to stop yeah. watching. It got too real. Girl, right. <laughs> right. Exactly. It it's, is yeah, very real. It, I can't do that. I can't watch stuff that's already like my life. Who knew, yeah. though? Okay. I mean, sometimes they do that to prepare you. <laughs> yeah. Right. You know, like, hey, mm-hmm. we're going to just put plant this concept in your mind. Because but this was like 20. She wrote this. Uh, Margaret Atwood wrote this book decades ago. Yeah. And the show came out what, like 2015 or maybe before? And so just seeing some of these things that at the time were like, meh, you know, this is just a dystopian reality. But seeing how some things like um, there was just a day where all the women found out they had to close their bank accounts because they were women Mm. and the money had to be transferred over to the husbands and they had to lose their jobs. And what was so realistic was that the bosses of the women were like, you're such a good employee, but it's just the law. It's just what the government is telling us to do. And so we're moving into this territory of where people may be hesitant on the decisions that they have to make, but they'll feel driven to follow the law. Oh, you see that now. And the thing about this legislation, we already have black um, women and uh, people dying from childbirth or a lack of support around their pregnancies. Mm -hmm. The passing of Roe versus Wade the biggest impact of that legislation mm-hmm. will be on black women. Yeah, absolutely. Be clear about this. Be super clear about this. The other thing that's happening is around family planning mm-hmm. for states that are red states or mm-hmm. that have these abortion bans. They don't want to do uh, offer uh, plant family planning and reproductive care education mm-hmm. that even includes abortion as an option. Mm. So the, like the state of Tennessee uh, lost their federal funding, uh, Title Ten funding, because uh, not because they were, weren't going to offer abortions anymore, mm-hmm. because they refused to even acknowledge that abortion was an option around reproductive care education. Mm-hmm. What did that feel like as a native hearing that? Yeah, Tennessee has one of the strictest abortion bans mm-hmm. out there. Yeah, you know the the place that I grew up in. Um, and where all of my nieces live, right, right. Um, the, the trickle-down impact is devastating. There's so much, and it's all on opinion, which is so frustrating. Like, personally, I'll share that if I found out I was pregnant today, I would still have the child. But that doesn't mean that I should be able to decide what someone else is going to do. It's just, it shouldn't be a matter of opinion, but it is. Mm-hmm. Our lawmakers have opinions that are now being exerted upon our bodies. And so getting to hear from lawmakers who kind of take some of that opinion out and are trying their best to be objective, I want to hear from them because this is just... Opinions and uh, religious ideology. Yeah. Yeah. Let's Let's just say that. Yeah. Okay. I think that... Yes, these people are making decisions about our bodies, mm-hmm. but there are also loopholes in the ways in which they have done that. What do you mean by loopholes? Well, <laughs> <laughs> you know. Glad you asked. I'm glad you asked me that. Um, well, no, seriously, what I think about loopholes is just 
ways to still get the care that you need? There are other organizations, there mm-hmm. are other businesses, there are other people, lawyers, attorneys, advocates that are doing things behind the scenes. And I think sometimes what happens, and just in witnessing what that experience was like for me, mm-hmm. in witnessing that, there were so many nuances that they had to, and layers that they had to go through before it could even pass, yeah. you know? And there are also, you know, people who are looking at the loopholes of these things and how do they engage in such a way to prevent those things from happening. Organizing. I think sometimes you get distracted by the sound bites and, and the things that, you know, kind of inflame us rather than actually thinking about the ways in which we can actually change this if we wanted to, mm-hmm. right? Or we can impact it if we wanted to. So, Jennifer, if I'm hearing you right, you're you're saying that um, we need to be smarter and fighting this legislatively, mm-hmm. you know, looking for, as you call, the loopholes mm-hmm. instead of just kind of like, OK, let's push a pro uh, abortion law. You're saying look for you know, loopholes in the law to protect uh, a woman's right um, to a full spectrum of reproductive care. Don't get caught up in this short term emotional reaction, right, that's right. but play the long game. And the long game is legislation. So in that long game, um, do you believe that legislation around reproductive rights and care can save us from this? Legislation is the only way to make it law. Yep. Mm -hmm. And so we have to um, send people to um, Washington, to our state houses, to our uh, court, you know, uh, city councils. Uh, that will create and advocate and shape legislation um, for laws that protect women. Mm-hmm. And so legislation is important. It's first step in creating laws. And that's why I'm so excited about our guest, Congresswoman Robin Kelly, who's on the front end of these battles and these discussions and legislation that protect women. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. Congresswoman, it is such a pleasure to have you on When Magic Happens. We're here to talk with you about black maternal health. I know you know a thing or two about that. Just a thing or two. (laughs) A thing or two. Not just from the legislative perspective, political perspective, but you're a mama too. So it hits uh, close to home. In addition to that, um, not only are you a congresswoman, you are chair of the Black Health Trust for the um, Congressional Black Caucus. So uh, your work is not just focused on Illinois, but nationally. And... um, and you've moved some major legislation that impacts the country, black women all over, or women all over the country, but certainly black women. You know what? Let's start with you personally. How how did you latch on to this focus in Congress? Well, first of all, it is great to be with you, always great 
to be with the great Cheryl Jackson. So thank you for inviting me and definitely thank you for inviting me to talk about uh, this topic. To be very honest, I did not know that the United States had such an issue with maternal mortality. It was a constituent of mine that called me and talked to me about Judge Hatchett, you know, who comes on TV and told me the story of her son and daughter-in-law that she lost um, in giving birth to her son. So we put on a forum, and then so many people came to the forum, and I heard so many stories. I, I was in shock. I did not realize how bad the United States was. So that's really how... Um, how I started learning that it wasn't unusual that black women die three times the rate of their white counterpart, that in uh, Illinois it's even worse, six times the rate in places um, like the state of Washington, indigenous women, eight times the rate of oh white counterpart. Yeah. So um, what what is this? Why is this? Let's break it down for it, the It's listeners. not just one thing. It's multiple things which – through legislation we've tried to deal with, you know, one thing is um, biases. The built-in biases. Biases, like in physicians like black bring. women can take it more, you know. Right. You know, all that stuff. We don't feel the pain or, you know, just women, period, are not listened to as much. So, right. So, of course, black women, women of color, that it even goes deeper. Right. So, you know, that's an issue. Also, um, our health you know, is an issue of the top diseases that Americans die from. African-Americans are number one in about eight of them. That statistic might have changed a little bit. So realizing that we might have high blood pressure and those kind of things, how do you, you know, deal with that? Also realizing that you don't just lose a baby the day you give birth to the baby. The postpartum period is a year. And mo- and 40% of births are covered by Medicaid, and they only cover 60 days. So oh. we needed the postpartum period extended for one year so that a mom can, uh, when she's not feeling well, whether it's physically or mentally, can go and get help. So, Congresswoman, what is your um, attorney's story? Oh, my God. You, you're making me go way back. <laughs> <laughs> I had both my children in Peoria, Illinois. And uh, at Methodist Hospital, and um, I actually loved my doc uh, that I had. Um, so I, I think I had a good experience. But at the end, after 36 hours with my daughter, I had to have a cesarean. Wow. And um, and then my son, we were trying to do different, but he, I had him by C-section also. But um, the thing was, I worked for that hospital. So. <laughs> So that helped, you know, but also there were things that came out that in places with good insurance, my ex-husband worked for Caterpillar Tractor Company. So we had good insurance. I was very fortunate, but um, uh, that sometimes people were quick to do cesareans. But after 36 hours, right. I didn't care if they had to cut my arm off. I was ready. (laughs) (laughs) But um, as I got more and more into this, my Two stepdaughters um, had babies, and it made me really think about them, especially my youngest. Uh, he will be two in June, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I really thought about it, uh, you know, a lot more. Like, is she going to be okay? So some of this also is just empowering black women with information. Yes, 
Like you go in. And we can speak up. That's the thing. If you have a question, speak up or get your questions together before you go in. That is important, too. But I know how it is because... Some I remember sometimes I didn't say anything. Right. So I get it. All the questions come after mm-hmm. the appointment. Mm-hmm. So you know how that goes. Yes. Um, well, let's get into it. The legislation that you authored, um, co-authored with uh, our senior senator from mm-hmm. Illinois, Senator Dick Durbin. Uh, talk about this legislation and, um, and how important it is to sure. the women here and everywhere. We started off with the Mamas Act, and that was a comprehensive framework in how to deal with maternal mortality. And again, we work with the American College of Obstetrics and Gynecologists and black women groups, you know, uh, taught to doulas, midwives, just, you know, all kind of people to put this legislation together. Why does it happen in some places and not others? What is a set of best practices Mm -hmm. and protocols that could be followed? So looking at that data collection to make sure we're all collecting uh, the same data, you know, um, giving uh, uh, and then I don't like this term, but cultural competency. It's been proven that you do better when it's someone that looks like you or at least understands the reality of your situation. When when someone, a black or brown person, person of color is seen by a black, brown or person of color provider, physician, nurse, Mm-hmm. The outcomes are better for them. Right. And that's been proven mm-hmm. over and over. But we know that's not going to always happen. But at least someone that could understand the reality of your, you know, situation. So, you know, back in medical school or the residency, there needs to be different training. Right. You know, right. Um, Some people might ask the question of why politics are brought into issues around maternal health. So we've started to talk about that, the politics of maternal maternal health. You think that everybody would just be all on board, okay, healthy babies, healthy mothers, particularly particularly now of Roe versus Wade being shot down. But can you talk about that? Um, Why are politics involved in maternal health? You know, to be honest, when we put this legislation together, I was so shocked that we had such a hard time. And that's what I would say to my staff. People are dying. You know, moms are dying. Families are being destroyed. Um, Kids are losing their moms, you know, because they've already had kids. And it's just unbelievable. But people give excuses, you know, Oh, it's the money, or because of who it's happening to. It's who's dying is yeah, the problem. They don't, they don't care as much, you know. Um, uh, so, you know, they turn a blind eye. It is, it, it's unbelievable because my thing is, well, why are you even in office if you're not trying to make a difference? If you're not trying to lift all boats? Yeah, that's what it is. Just the, you know, their ideologies. They don't care who it's affecting more. Uh, that all plays a part unfortunately it makes no sense to me what 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 new legislation is needed to uh tackle uh black maternal health or what 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 do we do need to do next legislatively and politically to address this crisis you know yeah well we're still trying to work on um getting those other uh states in also um we need more um diversity in the healthcare pipeline, we need more black folks in the healthcare pipeline and other 
folks too, but definitely, and not, I'm not just saying doctors, nurses, it could right. be entrepreneurs right. um, and, and all kind of other people right. too, you know, so that, that's another issue, you know, that we talk about a lot. Um, I want to talk a little bit about um, Roe versus Wade mm-hmm. and the overturning of that and two things. One, its impact on black women. I don't think there's enough discussion about that. Mm-hmm. Who will be most impacted by roadway going down in flames? Well, definitely black women are going to be affected, and we're going to see more maternal mortality because um, people will be forced to have kids that, if they had their way, would not have children. Also, the other thing is, you know, everybody that doesn't live in a safe haven state, you know, and uh, and just I was speaking to, um, I think it was Planned Parenthood and, and how just the onslaught of people coming to Illinois, everybody can't travel, everybody doesn't have the money to travel, everybody can't take off work, everybody doesn't have child care. So uh, black women will be greatly affected, and I think there'll be more deaths. In fact, I think um, when I just heard this about the um, – um, the rate of what's going to change because of Roe versus Wade. And then it's so, you know, interesting people always say, oh, you know, you could just put your baby up for adoption. Well, we don't get adopted as quickly, you right. know. And uh, so, I mean, that's a falsehood, too, in so many ways. Well, <laughs> you could put the baby up, but there's also statistics about <laughs> – black newborn babies dying. That's right. So there's high rate of black maternal deaths, and then there's a high rate of black newborn babies mm-hmm. dying. This is just, this is, this is a no-win situation for black women and their babies. Um, did you see that story? Um, it came out, I don't know whether it was um, in one of the big, you know, whether it's New York Times or anyway, it was a study about the survival rate of newborn babies. So the number one survival rate is, you know, white, wealthy women. The number two survival rate, um, white, wealthy, number one is white, wealthy, and educated. Number two is white, poor, and uneducated white women. Behind white, poor, uneducated white women are black, educated, wealthy women. So black babies uh, born of wealthy, educated black women are more likely to die than babies born of white, uneducated, and poor white women. That matches the maternal mortality statistic too, the same the same thing, but also... So you know racism and bias is afoot in this system. Yes, definitely, and... Lack of access, you know, because even in, you know, some of our areas, like I live in a middle-income place, and one of the hospitals closest to me, they stopped doing um, births. Uh, They send them over to another hospital to do the birth, so it's further away and, Mm -hmm. you know, like that kind of thing. So even if you have money, access, depending on where you live and you know, what's going on, um, it still affects it. And again, the biases come in. So you're right. It has to be 
racism. I mean, that's right. the only what else. That, that's be. what they said. This article, yeah. the common thread is that. Mm-hmm. Um, um, so it's 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 profound. Um, what what can we as black women do to support the work that you do, advocating for um, legislation and policies that mm-hmm. will reduce black maternal mortality rates? Well, I always tell people. They don't have to call me because I'm on board, but, you know, look at how their member and their senator, of course, we're lucky our people are on it, but um, you have roots other places and, uh, you know, call people you know um, in other places to have them call uh, their folks, you know, and, uh, um, you know, because what I tell people, sometimes people come and lobby and they come to the choir, right. not that the choir doesn't need rehearsing, you know, or rehearsals, but but go to the other people and say where we vote, we're looking, this is important, and, and tell stories. It's not only the numbers and stats, but tell the stories. Thank you so much. We at When Magic Happens, we appreciate you, and thank you for coming out, um, coming in the studio today and talk about this very important issue of black um, maternal mortality and health. Now, I, I just want to say thank you for lifting up this topic. It's so important because that's what helps too. So representation matters yes. because that's how the topic gets, you know, lifted up. And the other thing is I'm involved with it because I'm a mom. You know, I know when my uh, stepdaughter had a baby, I was nervous knowing all, you know, that I know, but I have two healthy grandsons. Thank you, God. You know, so yes. it's, it's personal. I love to hear a representative that goes to the district, that actually listens to the district. And I never would have guessed that that's how this came about for her. I expected I expected it to be as a mother, as a woman, but just hearing that she is actually doing her job of meeting the demands and meeting the needs of the people that she represents. And it's such a big issue that she had a whole town hall on it. And... I also enjoyed hearing, you know, the choir sometimes needs rehearsal. Yes. <laughs> so it, it is fine that amongst our circles we have this conversation, but we also need to stick it to the people who aren't listening yeah. and stick it to the people who perhaps are not thinking in the way that we're thinking. Not to say that, you know, we we have to consider that everyone is allowed to have their own opinions but we can make our voices heard. And I think that that's a powerful call to action for us in this room and for listeners. I think that was a word that stuck out. And you said it was just listening. Mm-hmm. You know, wouldn't it be great if, you know, even as it pertains to black maternal health, that healthcare professionals just listened, mm-hmm. you know, or even as we talk about legislators. If they just listened, yeah. you know, that to me is what kind of sticks out and resonates in this conversation. You know, for me, I was listening to this interview um, and to our discussion. You know, oftentimes they say that black women um, is saving democracy. Black women, we need to save ourselves. Mm-hmm. 
we need to save ourselves and fight for our lives. I was speaking with my sister who lives in Memphis, and she said, you know, the black women here are kind of sleep asleep on this. She's like, I, I just I want to do more to wake up black women on this issue of their lives on the line. So wake up. So that concludes our powerful two-parter on Black maternal health. If you like what you've heard, be sure to subscribe, rate us on Apple Podcasts, and tune in every Friday for your dose of When Magic Happens. And follow us on Instagram at When Magic Happens Podcast. And also, big news, we're launching a newsletter, the perfect companion to this podcast, You Wanted More Magic, and We Heard You. We've got listener spotlights, episode links, sassy quotes from yours truly, hot topics, women crushes who inspire us, and so much more. So don't miss out and join our email community at wbez.org slash newsletters. Special thanks to our guest, Congresswoman Robin Kelly, for joining us today. You can find her on Twitter at Rep. Robin Kelly and learn more about her work at robinkelly.house.gov. You can find me, Cheryl Jackson, on socials at Cheryl Jackson. That's Cheryl with an E. And you can find me, Jennifer Shea Lovelong, on Instagram at Being Shea Love. And you can find me, Taylor Coward, on Instagram at Taylor Coward Online. And we want to add you to the group chat. Our email address is magic at wbez.org. Send us an email or a voice memo. What questions do you want us to get to the bottom of? We want to hear from you. When Magic Happens is a production of WBEZ Chicago. Our truly magical producer is Brianna Garrett. Brendan Banaszak is our executive producer. Tracy Brown is chief content officer. Editing by Justin Bull. Engineering by Dave Miska and Justin Bull. See y'all next week. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Thanks for listening to the news live on WBEZ and NPR. The WBEZ stream sounds great in the kitchen on your smart speaker and anywhere on the WBEZ app. Listen every day.